I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm here today talking to Tina Thordle and Anne Patterson and we're going to be discussing the participation forums that ACT have been running. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Tina, mm -hmm. what is this project about? Um, well, we've received some funding from Sport England and it's about safeguarding participants in sport. Um, there are a team of us that work together and we go to a venue, there will be sports participants and also volunteers and staff that take part obviously in sport. Um, it can be any manner of sport. Um, and we, for about three hours, we're there, two and a half to three hours we're there. Um, and we devised a number of questions um, where we split people into different groups and they're all to do with safeguarding. So basically it's raising awareness of what people understand by safeguarding mm -hmm. and what they feel they need in order to be able to keep themselves safe within safeguarding. Um, it's a really exciting project. Um, we have uh, an experienced athlete, first of all, that tells us about their experiences mm -hmm. in sport and what they felt they might have needed in terms of being safeguarded and how they felt vulnerable within sport. Um, so they sort of kick it off um, we then split into different groups and there are a number of questions um, that the groups will go through. Um, it's not a training session, it is purely to find out what they understand and what they know and what they need in terms of safeguarding. Um, we break halfway through and we have cake and coffee everything's paid for that's always um, oh, a, a, bonus. a bonus <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we carry on um, with the questions that have been put together along you know that our researcher has, has helped us to put together um, and then we collect all of the flip chart in at the end of the session and we pass them across to uh, an experienced researcher who will collate uh, and put information around what the findings are. So I've been asked about these and people mm. have said, so people who do sport are prepared to come for two and a half hours and yeah. talk about safeguarding. Mm. Is, have you found that people are willing to do this? Absolutely. I've found, honestly, that people are so enthusiastic. And it's really interesting because there have been some new clubs that have sprung up and when people come together particularly you know the staff they're learning from each other mm -hmm. so it's very much a shared um, forum if you like um, but the people that have been on, on the sessions so far have they're so engaged in sport they absolutely love it it's really important to them um, and in terms of being, they feel that they've got something to contribute. Yeah, they feel that they've got something to offer. And they feel that they want their voices to be heard. Ah. And this is a way in which we can say we're listening. And this can then inform better practice mm -hmm. within sports. 
services. And at the end of the day, what it's doing, why are we doing this? It's in order to keep everybody safe, whether you're a member of staff, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a sports participant, everybody needs to feel safe within sport and to feel they've got something to contribute, which they have. So if people yeah. say, will I be able to get people there? It sounds like people do want to go and do want to be heard. Yes, yes, they do. Um, and I would say where we have to, we negotiate timings with yeah. um, the club. Uh, and what we've found is um, you sort of have to make sure that it's after the sports session, <laughs> because if it's before, the sports participants just can't wait to get on to do the sports session. Yeah. So we negotiate. Um, sometimes it might be um, early evening. We've done Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or it might be later on, say six to half eight, six to nine o'clock in the evening. We will go wherever we can get a group together and whenever. So it has to suit the club. Ah, so that's yeah. how, that's a good tip for getting people together, yes. isn't it? Making yeah. it right for them. Absolutely. Um, so, Anne, you're the person who's been helping us to devise the questions. Can you tell us about how we've gone about it, what your role is with this project? Well, as the researcher, um, as a researcher, I'm, I'm aware that as well as um, having these discussions, we have to somehow produce some sort of evidence base yeah. to support whatever our recommendations are, whatever yeah. comes out of these forums. Um, and so it's a question of trying to capture that um, by a series of questions. We've got sort of five areas that we ask people about. So questions that are designed to sort of develop a shared understanding of what safeguarding means in the context of running sports activities. Um, knowing what people might do, what they tell us they would do if someone has a concern or a worry. Um, then going on to preventing situations that place people at risk, what people think those might be, and what good practice and bad practice might look like that, may, that, that either prevent people staying safe um, or can keep people safe. Um, and also we then go on to ask them about making improvements to safeguard people in the future. Um, and then at the end we just ask, is there, there's an opportunity there for people to explore anything that our questions haven't haven't covered, so anything that is pertinent to them that we perhaps haven't specifically asked. Um, so those are the sort of five areas where we have sets of questions um, and we ask them of staff and of sports participants themselves, as Tina's already said. Um, and we've run a few of these and we do have a few sort of messages that are coming out. Oh, so it's probably worth, yeah, it's probably mm. worth telling you yeah. some of those. So some of the responses that we've had from staff then are, they say that safeguarding is everybody's business, um, that coaches and volunteers should know what's good practice and should know who to contact for advice. Mm that there should be in existence well-written policies and guidelines and that they need to be visible. Someone said, don't put them away in a drawer, which is quite mm, right. Yeah, very good. Mm. <laughs> um, practical steps should be taken to prevent tricky situations and things that we're thinking of are things like perhaps not finding yourself one-to-one -one in a changing room with someone, um, mm. if that's not appropriate. Um, DBSs need to be checked. Um, Up-to-date qualifications need to be verified. Mm. Um, so sort of... People 
people recognise, staff recognise that they also need to work with wider organisations to get support and guidance on all of those things, yes. as well as the relevant training. Um, mm. Organisations such as ACT and Sport England and, and all mm. of the initiatives yes. that they have. Mm. So, again, just reinforcing, they said that everybody's responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility to keep people safe. Uh, we all need to respect and look out for each other in, in, in um, these sporting environments and, and that staff shouldn't use their position of power, if you like, mm. to manipulate people that they're supervising. Um, so these were really, really strong messages from staff, as you can see. Um, mm. And then there were some sort of practical steps that they suggested about checking equipment, reviewing how things are going with players of sport, mm. and, and encouraging debriefs as well mm. about how things are going for both parties mm. and amongst colleagues. Mm. So that was from yeah. staff. I think what was interesting, um, Anne, is what came out of the sessions, and although I've already said that it isn't a tra safeguarding training session yeah. as such, Following that, because of the action plans at the end, staff realise that they need to go back and update their policy and procedures because some of the policy and procedures are not up to date at all. So it's, it's a really beneficial session for everyone in terms of raising awareness. Yes, and from a research point of view, yeah. we've got the evidence now. Yes. It's coming out of people's mouths yes. and this is exactly what needs to happen. Yes. Um, so just to move on then, some of the messages that we have from sports participants themselves mm. when they were sort of having their say about some of these issues yeah. um, to a very similar set of questions across yeah. those five areas that I've spoken about, um, they said that safeguarding is about feeling safe whilst they're having fun. So very mm. much so the sport was at the heart of it, which speaks directly to what you were saying about mm. have these sessions after they've done their yes. sport because yes. that's their passion. Yes. Um, and they want but they want to do that, you know, we want them to do that safely, don't we? Yes. Um, and also that you know they need to be prepared to speak out if something is amiss. Yes. If somebody if they they or themselves sense that somebody's being abused, there's in a situation that needs sorting out and unraveling. Um, maybe an innocent situation, but if there are doubts, then they're sort of they say they're saying that people need to speak out and voice those concerns and worries. Mm. On a practical level, they said that it's great when they know who's in charge, um, know that they're being listened to. Um, they like to be informed about how sessions work and understand exactly what's going to happen yeah. um, and in that way everybody can feel safe and secure knowing what's expected of them. The yeah. expectations are being managed effectively. Mm. Um, tricky situations might include things like not being told there's a fire alarm test and thinking, mm. here I am, half clothed, how mm. do I get out of this building? Yeah. What, is, what is the procedure? Yeah. Um, and they also mentioned who they would tell. They think that police, parents, carers, social workers, coaches, friends, doctors or nurses they may be in touch with, they should be able to approach any of those confidentially, knowing that their concern is absolutely going to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. um, if away from home, people need to feel that they're safe at events. That seems, you know, mm. that, that's, that kind of seems a, 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 a more extreme situation in which somebody might be isolated and might need that extra safeguarding input. Um, or it needs to have just been thought through in advance. Absolutely. I remember where there was a fire alarm in a hotel where a sports participant who was physically disabled was, yes. was in a room and the person that was supposed to be supporting him had gone out. So he was there in the room and he couldn't get out. No. So things like that that are really important. Yes, things yeah. that 
we might take for granted do need to be ironed yeah. out and they do need to be spelled out so yeah. everybody knows exactly where they stand. It's like about um, creating a safe environment for people, isn't yeah. it? So you are... It, People sometimes think safeguarding is health and safety and start to talk about trip hazards and things. Yeah. But if you don't get the health and safety right, yeah. it can become a safeguarding issue, yes. can't it, for people? Yes. So especially when you're dependent on others for care yes. and support. So that yeah. issue of planning is so important, isn't it? And yes. people knowing what's going to happen. Because yes. um, if that doesn't work out right for the person, say, who was in the hotel room, will yes. they want to go back? Mm. Yes, that's the You're issue, just isn't it? Decrease yeah. the numbers taking part. That's yes. right. Yeah. So Anne, tell us more about the what participants are saying. Yeah, so some of the things that they told us about tricky situations, they said that these can be minimised by generally looking out for each other. Makes perfect common sense, yes. doesn't it? Knowing what's right and appropriate for you. So again, yeah. thinking about those things in advance. Avoiding situations that you know may get violent or upsetting. So that's, mm. that, that was a, that's almost a direct quote. Um, taking yourself away from risk situations in the first instance yeah. and mm. seeking help. And communication about any personal care in particular yes. beforehand. Yeah. It's no yeah. good things happening where everybody's embarrassed um, because yeah. something's happened that is, a, is very personal to, to, mm. to the person at the centre of this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not good for anybody. So it's just mm. thinking those things through. So a kind of a, the, the, on, the, the ongoing message seems to be to think these things out in advance, you know, and have the preparations, yeah. have the policy and guidelines, which is what we keep coming back but to. But how important it? is that, that all that information is collated, put in in, in, a, in a form that's accessible, that can be distributed to clubs, which can then inform what the club does. Because a lot of what you're saying, perhaps clubs haven't necessarily thought through but having been given the information then that is something they could put in like a, a policy and procedure document absolutely yeah. i mean some of the good practices that were reported to us are the fact that some clubs had rules and codes of conduct yes. and then so people knew exactly where oh, they stood yeah um it was very important to have teamwork and having defined roles and responsibilities so that if something yeah. is amiss, who is the first person I'm yeah, going to yeah. go to to tell this to yes. and what are they going to do with that? Yeah. So it's just knowing that those mm. defined roles and responsibilities, giving simple guidelines from the start, mm. um, trying not to be over familiar and not sharing rooms inappropriately at events. So again, mm. that's down to just some standard mm. planning, isn't it? Mm. Um, and then some of the poor, poor practices that people pulled out were not checking accessibility, um, so that checking mm. that facilities were truly accessible, mm. um, perhaps not having the appropriate clothing with you because nobody told you that you would need this pair of shoes or that mm. pair of shoes or, or whatever. Mm. Um, and somebody actually said, if coaches shout or throw things and there's physical abuse, that is really poor practice. I think we would all agree with that. <laughs> yes. if there's any doubt on that one. Um, and also they recognised that some poor practices existed where there was poor training or not enough training mm. simply on keeping people safe, so yes. specifically for that purpose. Mm. So you can see already we've run, we've done mm. a, we've run a few of these and mm. we've got the 
you know, people are willing to tell us these things and it's, mm. some of it's the very nitty gritty that we need to know mm. and some of it's at this policy level as well that we need to know. Mm. So it's great that people are sharing that with mm. us and as I say, this is going to provide our evidence base for this is mm. what clubs ought to be doing. Yes. And this is what sports mm. participants need to be thinking about to keep themselves and others safe around them. So it's good on a local level for the people who are running those clubs, they can make some changes based on this, but it's also good on a national level, isn't it? Mm. So we can say, actually, mm. this is what people are saying is good practice and what they need to keep safe. And it, mm. safety here, if we think about what makes us feel safe, it's quite a few elements, isn't it, to yes. it? Mm. Um, it's holistic, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just around safeguarding in terms of what we might understand as safeguarding the individual it's about the whole of the individual what does that person need absolutely yeah to keep safe i i think one of the 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 really good things is is that we've got a few more in the pipeline as well yeah so, so and, this. and all over the country so we will go absolutely anywhere mm. you know where there where the clubs can get a number of people together and i suppose a minimum we'll be looking at really is uh, 10 up to about 20. Mm, so some yeah. of the groups have been organized by active partnerships yes, haven't they? They have. and then some have been organized by the clubs themselves yes so it basically can be anybody who can think yes. i can get a group of participants yep. together doesn't have to, I think sometimes people think um, safeguarding and I think disabled people, yes. but actually we want a cross section of people, don't we? We do. So some people with care and support needs, but also people without care and support yes. needs. We just want a, a range of views, don't we, about yes. um, what is safeguarding yes. um, for them in sport. Um, so Anne, the the data that you're getting, you're compiling it. Will there be a report or? Yes, we will write this up eventually as, yeah. a, as a report with a set of recommendations on the basis of what we're hearing at this grassroots level, mm -hmm. yeah. that it can therefore be taken upwards to you know to the people who yeah. run these clubs to to um, the organise you know the organising bodies. National so, governing bodies. Yes, national governing bodies for each of the sports and what. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's fair to say it's a learning curve for us about getting the language right within um, yes. <laughs> sports. We've come from academic backgrounds or um, care and support backgrounds, training backgrounds, but sportifying our language is quite something, oh, isn't it, Boris? Yes, yeah, I went to a club a little while ago. There's quite a few sports participants. I won't say which sort of sport it was. My goodness, I thought I'd stepped into a different world. The acronyms, you know, and the language that they use. Yeah. But it can also be so isolating if you don't understand what Absolutely. people are saying. Yeah, it can be. And there's only so many times you can keep saying, excuse me, what does that mean? Yes. And then eventually you find out, well, actually, people don't necessarily know what the language means themselves. No. Yeah. That's a whole other project for you, Anne, to research <laughs> the language of safeguarding in sport. Yeah. And we have spoken about that, about how to um, transfer the language from the Care Act that is actually written for people, yes. probably delivering care and support and health settings yes. into sport. Yes. And that's been a bit of a challenge, hasn't yes. it? To explain certain terms. Yes. And, to get another, and I think that this project is helping us to do that and it's to get a better understanding. It's bridging the gap, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think it is bridging, bridging the gap. Bridging the gap between the two. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why we kind of, with the questions, decided to take this 
almost a step back and say, so what does safeguarding mean yes. to you? Because you yes. can make assumptions and start asking questions about how do you safeguard? What are you doing that's, you know, in a, yes. in a safeguarding domain? And people have different comprehensions yes, of safeguarding itself. Yes. And we can see that it's really varied from the very yes. practical, you know, to sort of the emotional, to the psychological. It can be all of those things. Yes. Safeguarding can be on all of those levels, can't mm. it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just thinking about the um, survey that we're um, going to put out in Safeguarding Adults Week. So, Anne, you, you've collected the questions into a survey, haven't you? That's right, And yes. then collected it into a, something that somebody can print out, and you've done an easy read one. So, can you tell us about that? Yes, of course. So, all of these questions, um, we've pared them down a little bit to make them sort of friendly mm. for online, uh, but very much the same sets of questions in those five areas that I said right at the beginning um, and we've now got those online we've got a separate survey for staff and we've got a separate survey for participants and as Nicholas just said we've actually uh, they can be read or print uh, we can provide printed they would mm -hmm. need to request that from us but we've also also got an easy read version in the pipeline it's just being finalized mm -hmm. um, so that we, we really do hope that we are reaching every possible person yes. to whom this might apply. Yes. Um, and we have, as Nicola said, we're going to be launching that in um, Safeguarding Week. What, um, what date is that, Anne? What date? So, Safeguarding Adults Week um, is the week beginning the 18th of November. And Safeguarding Adults in Sport is part of that week. It's the second Safeguarding Adults Week. Last year's was very successful. We had lots of interaction with um, sports organisations. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that the, um, the questionnaire could be something that clubs, national governing bodies, active partnerships could encourage participants to um, complete mm -hmm. or that they can complete as well themselves. Mm -hmm. So that would really add to the data that yeah. you've got, wouldn't it, Anne? Oh, yeah. It would indeed. Yeah. So we'll not only have the, the data from the forums, yeah. but we'll have these surveys. So it'll be possible, therefore, to sort of have some some qualitative findings, if you like, mm -hmm. in terms of what's the, mm -hmm. the richness in everything that everybody's telling us, but also have some stats as well to be able to say so many people have said this mm -hmm. sort of, this you know, this sort mm -hmm. of thing and that'll be from the surveys so we hope that this is going to provide a really really good evidence base on which people can act yeah um, so on that note we'd really like people to um I, contact us if they want to run a forum in their area um and to look out for the um surveys you can access them now but we'll be really promoting them in safeguarding adults week and we hope that it will help to bridge the gap really Absolutely, um, yes. between you know what we know in theory works for safeguarding and what actually people are saying works for them on the ground yes so, thank you very much thanks thank Nicola. you thanks Anne. thank you for listening if you want to know more about our work check out our website ancrafttrust.org and follow us on twitter and facebook at ancrafttrust